You know, something that I've observed over the last while, uh, as I've looked back at Christian history and uh, really largely Christian history, is that sometimes in the name of truth, we forget about love. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Um, a, uh, a while back, Embry was working at the flower shop and somebody from uh, another church in town, and I'm not going to name churches, I'm not going to name people, because that's not what this is about, but um, they, they were talking about the challenges in the world that we're living in, how the world is moving so quickly away from the things of Christ. And, uh, and then somehow this individual brought up uh, something to the, do with the, the fact of like, uh, they'd been talking about, but you still got to love people, right? That's what Embry brought up. And so this person was like, yeah, but you know, if a gay couple moved into the house beside you, you know, sure, if they were out walking their dogs or something and you were mowing your lawn, you'd like wave and smile, but you'd never have them like over for dinner where they could be around your kids. And Embry went, why not? And the conversation just kind of ended. But what it began to do is it began to reveal that there is an attitude in our hearts that is concerning. And, and maybe you think, oh, yeah, no, I agree. I wouldn't have them over. And okay, <laughs> that, that's your prerogative, right? But I wonder, what would you do in that situation? What, would you be open to to bringing people into your household who don't have the same uh, standard of living that you do, the same um, moral obligations or standards, you might say. Throughout the years, there have been um, a number of emotions that have been running in people's minds on both sides of the aisle, right? Those that that are uh, a part of the LGBTQIA2S plus community. I'm, I'm taking breath because I don't want to offend anybody, right? So I, I just want to make sure that I, I get the acronym right. I'm going to be shortening that to LGBTQ from, for now, just so that we can get through this without me falling over my, my words. But, but with, with them towards us and us towards them over the years, there have been attitudes of, of hatred, of disgust, of confusion, of pain, of fear, of bigotry, right? Going back and forth, right? We, we've, we've seen that. We've all seen it. We've seen it on the news. Maybe we've seen it in interactions that we've had with others. Maybe you've seen it in yourself. And listen, some of those emotions are understandable. There have been pain in people's lives that have come about because of some of the relationships that have been strained in all of this. And and there's fear of the unknown, fear of, of what the future holds for both sides. So again, these are understandable things, but what do we do about hatred? What do we do when we look at a human being and we look at them in disgust? We're in the the midst of a series uh, called You Asked For It. And so how this series works is is we've asked people from all around our community, our church, everywhere. We've put it out on social media and we've said, will you send in your questions about church, about God, faith, the Bible, all of that. And so today we're talking about how can I show love to the LGBTQ community? To people who identify this way, how can I show them love? Because we get tripped up sometimes. We're like, what do I do? Do I just bend over backwards to things I don't agree with? Or do I hit them with the truth? (laughs) 
you know? And, and we've just seen things explode because we can't seem to figure out where we are on this. I'm, I'm not going to call it an issue. What, where we are when it comes to interacting with these people. Because that's what it is, right? These are people. Heavenly Father, today I ask that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us open hearts. God, that right now your Holy Spirit would fill this room and fill the the locations where people are watching or listening online. And Lord Jesus, that, that you would begin to bring conviction where conviction is needed. That you would begin to reveal to us the places where we have been approaching life in a hard-hearted manner. Where we've taken the wrong perspective on the church or on what you consider right or, where, or on those who are, are walking this path. Lord Jesus, that, that we would begin to operate with your eyes. And Lord, that though it can be a, a confusing and sometimes seems like a, a dangerous path to walk, Lord, that we would understand our first step. So Lord, I ask that you'll take these feeble human words that I'm about to speak and make them something worthwhile through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want to bring us to the book in the Bible called Luke. Now, Luke is uh, what we call one of the Gospels. And what that essentially is, is it's an account of Jesus' life and teaching here on earth. This particular one uh, was written by a a man uh, from around the time of Jesus. He was a a physician and a historian, and he he went to to the original people who witnessed these events, and he meticulously wrote down their observations, checked things together, and, and his hope was to create an accurate account of Jesus's life. And so today we come to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be in verse 30. And most of you, if you went to Sunday school or anything like that, okay, you know this passage. You know this story. And so, so here it is. Jesus replied to the person that had been talking to him previously with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from uh, Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Guys, it's not switching for me here. Thank you. Uh, By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. You got to understand how the room shifted at this moment. What's the Samaritan going to do? He's probably going to take out a knife and just stab this guy, kill him to death. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Couldn't even say the Samaritan. Just the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, 
now go and do the same. Here, Jesus is talking to the spiritual and religious elite of, Jeru- of Judaism. And what he, he does here in this parable, in this story, is he begins by highlighting those who are looked up to as the most righteous, the most religious and good in God's eyes. Surely these people are going to stop to help a fellow countryman in need, but he shows how they're just so religious. They're just so good. They don't want to bother themselves. They don't want to become unclean and have to miss out on church or have to you know, keep themselves away from the crowds and all the, their applause of how righteous and religious they are. So they see the man and they go, nope, not for me. Someone else will get this. And then he surprised everyone because he brings in a man who is hated, a Samaritan, mixed blood from the northern kingdom with a, a religious understanding that, that had shifted from Judaism into something different, with a different place of worship, there was disgust in the hearts of the Jewish people when they saw a Samaritan. In fact, they would walk extra miles when they were going from point to point to avoid Samaria because to walk through it, they just, they didn't want to go there. And yet this Samaritan ends up being the hero by selflessly showing mercy. And then Jesus says to this man who was asking the question, go and show mercy too. He upsets the status quo. He he goes, the people that you wouldn't expect, what if they're the merciful ones? Maybe you need to be like them. And when we actually begin to put this in context that actually means something to us, it gets really uncomfortable. And if you're saying, no, it doesn't, I'm looking at your faces right now. (laughs) All right? The context of this passage is this religious man, he came to Jesus to test him. And he asked him a question. We're going to look at the question in a moment. But what we find is that the entire Judeo-Christian ethic ends up laid out in two sentences. And yet, after being confronted with this, the religious man was trying to find a loophole out of what God's commands were. We're like, yeah, that, that bad religious man... Like he knew what God said, and there he is. He's trying to find a way out of us. Tell the truth. When's the last time that you went, the Bible says so, so I'm doing it no matter how uncomfortable it is? Right? Guys, when's the last time that your wife was like, does this dress make me look fat? And you're like, oh, it looks great, honey. You know? You just lied. Right? That's why I told Embry, if you ever ask me that question, I'm just being honest. She only asks the question if she already knows the answer, you know? <laughs> so it's good. How many of you, uh, you, you went five or ten over the speed limit on the way here? 
Yeah, I got a few people there. <laughs> More than 10. I heard that, right? We try, to, we try to, it's not a big deal. If the government intended the law to be the law, then they would actually enforce it. Okay? So let's, let's read how this exchange went down. We're, we're going to back up to verse 25 here. One day an expert in religious law, an expert, this guy knows it inside out, backwards and forwards, and he's like, wants to test Jesus. So he says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? You know, let me, let me tell you, if you're ever in a discussion with someone who's trying to find out what you believe, one of the best things that you can do is go, well, what do you think? Because then they have to defend their position, not you. It's great. The man answered this way, and, and Jesus had actually answered in another time this exact way. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Jesus is impressed. He says, right, do this, and you will live. And then look at this. The man wanted to justify his actions. How many of us do that? We just established a lot of us. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? there a way I can wiggle out of this? Like my neighbor is just the guy that lives next door, right? My neighbor is just the person who sits in the seat next to me at church, right? That, that's all a neighbor is. But that's not what we get from this story. I, I, hope you, I hope you get that, right? What's the essence of everything God wants for his followers? For his followers to love God with their everything and to love their neighbors as themselves. And so let me ask you, who is your neighbor? Go ahead. Consider it for a moment. If you're online, put it in the comments there. Who's your neighbor? Whomever God puts in front of you. That's your neighbor. Whomever God puts in front of you is your neighbor. See, we like to complicate things. We're like, well, you know, yeah, I have to be loving, but if the person is, is like this, then maybe I don't need to. Oh, if it's this situation, then, then definitely I don't need to do that. So, so let me lay out to you essentially what we see from Jesus, all right? No matter the person or the situation, Jesus has shown us one way to live. Love God with your everything and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the one way that God told us to live. You know, the only time that Jesus really got testy and called people like a brood of vipers or, or said like, whoa, you're going to be destroyed and all of that, it's when he was talking to overly religious people. Like, seriously, this is the guy that is like, oh, you're having a party? I'm going to go too, and I'm going to show you how much I love you. Right? This is the guy when, when the Jewish leaders sprung a trap on some poor woman who was committing adultery with a man, just grabbed the woman, dragged her half naked into the street, threw her down before Jesus, and went, so Jesus, this is what she did. Should we kill her? And what did Jesus say? He said, Sure. Let the one without sin throw the first stone. And I left Jesus. And what did he do? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. There is one action that believers can take in any situation. And that's following the example of Jesus. To love God with your everything and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. There are no ifs. There are no ands and no buts. That is the ethic of Christianity, of Christ following. 
There is no other way. Now, what, what I want to tell you is that doesn't mean, loving someone does not mean that you have to completely agree with anything and everything they say or do. Okay? That's not love. That's just laying down and letting people walk all over you. Right? It doesn't mean that you have to give up your beliefs to accommodate others unless your beliefs run counter to loving God with everything and loving your neighbor as yourself. What this does mean is that you have to treat people. You have to treat those in the LGBTQ community as you want to be treated. And you have to show them the love of Christ. That is your only option. You have to show them that Christ came while we were still sinners and was brutally tortured and murdered for our sake. You know why? Because every one of us without Christ is a dirty, rotten sinner. Every one of us. And yet God looked at us and never gave up on us, but actually loved us so much that he came to earth in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to live the holy life that none of us could manage. So that he could give us the gift of restoration, of purpose, of life. And what have we done with it? We've adopted a I'm better than they are mentality. Instead of understanding that no one is good enough for the table of Jesus Christ. And it's only by his blood that any of us can have a place. Think of this. On the cross, these people that were spitting on Jesus, beating him, mocking him. Oh, if, you're, if you're actually who you say you are, just get down off the cross. And what does Jesus do? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If our Christ can say something like that to the people in the process of murdering him and making fun of him for it, do you not think that that goes to show that there is no situation where love does not reign supreme? But what breaks my heart is, in the past, there has been a lot of unloving and even hateful attitudes by people claiming to be Christ followers. And unfortunately, we see a lot of that today too, right? All the time. Sometimes it's that we just put our foot in our mouth. But sometimes you can see it comes from something deep. Something unchecked. And as a result, there is a lot of hurt in that community towards Christians. If we truly love them and we desire these people to know the freedom that comes through Christ, we need to understand that there are decades, centuries of hurts that we're working to get through. And so it's not an easy task. I should say, bringing them to that place is not an easy task. But you know what is actually a fairly simple task? Loving them. No matter what, no matter the, opt or the, the opposition we may face, we have to conduct ourselves as little Christs. 
We have to show the abounding sacrificial love and great patience of our most high God. And when we share our viewpoints, we have to do so carefully. Right? Jesus said, be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. That doesn't mean that we grab the Bible like a baseball bat. And, ah, it says this. It says that. It says this. And just knock everyone upside the head. It means that we stretch out a hand. We say, Jesus loves you. What do we say at this church? Time and time again, I say it all the time. Jesus loves and accepts you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. What that means is, is that the bar for entry is really low. Take Jesus' hand. And then we allow him to begin to transform us through the work of his Holy Spirit. Not through the work of judgmental people going shame, shame, shame. But through actively seeking the Spirit of God. So let me encourage you really briefly today. The first thing is this. We got to treat all people like people. Okay? No one has more worth, more value, more anything than anyone else. This is something that we seem to get in our heads that we can preach, but we don't have to live like it. But the fact is, is that if someone's a person, then they're a person. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I love it when I read newspaper articles about, uh, like, well, I, I hate the, the events leading up to these things, but, you know, say uh, the... The Amish community, there, there have been a number of times where someone has committed mass murder against an Amish community. And then the Amish have actually come to that murderer in prison and one by one, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And they actually befriend that person and will, will bring him a Bible and they'll, they'll take care of him. Because people are people. You want to know, like, the, the first step beyond just treating people like people is this. If you're having a conversation with someone who identifies in a way that makes you uncomfortable, here's what I want you to do. Humble yourself, be quiet, and listen to their story. See, we tend to be really good. Guys, that's not working again. Uh, we tend to be really good at just getting in there and being like, well, let me tell you what's right. But when's the last time as somebody was talking to you and they said, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm gay or I'm a, a lesbian or I feel like I identify this way or that way. What if instead of just going, oh, my, or saying the wrong thing, we just went, interesting. Can you tell me more about that? When's the last time that that was your response to something like that? When's the last time that you just allowed yourself to be quiet and listen so that you can gain understanding? And listen, don't interrupt. Don't interject your disagreements because I know if you're like me, you hear something that, that you're like, ah, I don't like that. And you're like, yeah, but conversation's over. Trust is broken. Listen, be respectful, be empathetic. Listen, empathy doesn't mean that you agree. Empathy just means you recognize these are human beings. And you say, I want to understand emotionally where you're at, how you feel. 
And what you're doing as you do this, not only are you gaining a greater understanding of who these people are and the struggles that they're facing, but you are actually earning the right to be heard. In our day and age, we don't have the right by default just to walk up to someone and spew what we believe. Our society says, you've had 2,000 years to do that. It's our turn to talk. So that's fine. Let's play to that. And let's respect others and earn the right to say, that is fascinating. Can I share a little bit about my story with Jesus? Let's let God change hearts. One final warning. That is that disagreeing with sin and being broken over sin are very different than addressing people with a heart filled with disgust, malice, or dismissal. Scripture tells us that our heart should break at sin. And yet, what did God do for a sin-filled world? He gave the ultimate gift. He embraced us and said, Come to me, and I will give you rest. And so you can disagree with it. You can be broken over it. But if you look at yourself in the mirror and what you see is a face that shows disgust or malice or dismissal, you need to understand that doesn't fall in that category. Let me give you an example. As I was doing research for today's message, um, of course, if you're, if you're talking about these things, you have to go to the antithesis of what you're talking about. So you and I uh, went to Westboro Baptist Church's website. I do not recommend that you go there. All right? It is kind of hilarious, but it's also heartbreaking. Westboro, we, we listened briefly to a message on love, on the great commandment from, from their pastor, and, and the way that he twisted the words of scripture was like a knife to my heart. Because his interpretation of love was that love requires us to run to these people and tell them how wrong they are and, and that God loves them too much for them to live this way. And I was like, well, I mean, that's, that sounds good, but what's, what's their methods like? Most of you have seen this church in the news, right? They're the ones that make all of us Christians like, uh, now everyone's going to hate us more. But let me tell you, like, that, that message, we stopped it there. I didn't want to hear where it was going. You know why? Because the URL to get to Westboro Baptist Church is so disgusting and despicable and so filled with hate. In fact, it has the word hate right there. And they're not westboroBaptist.com or anything like that. They're God hates. But what did, what? No, God loves them. God loves all the world. How can we run around Telling people that God hates people who his heart is breaking for, who he loves dearly. So you want to know how to love LGBTQ plus people? Treat them like people. Treat them with respect. Treat them with dignity. If you got a neighbor or a coworker, you know what you can do? I'm having a barbecue. You want to come over? 
and just be a human being. A human being who's full of love. Friends, yeah, absolutely. Scripture shows that the LGBTQ plus way is not God's way, all right? I'm not going to mince words. I'm going to be careful with my words. I am not going to mince words on that fact. But, especially when dealing with those that are not following Christ anyways, why do we then expect them to live according to Christ's moral standard? Like, I, I don't know about you, but... I mean, if, if I'm on a construction site and a bunch of non-Christian guys are swearing, I'm like, okay, they're swearing. If there's a bunch of guys that are just like completely drunk out of their minds, I'm like, okay, there's that. We, we went to visit some family and, you know, that was like first time that I've hung out with people that were sitting there, you know, it went from uh, they were smoking a joint when we got there to a cigarette, to a joint, to, you know, a beer, to some whiskey, to another joint. <laughs> no gap. But we had a conversation. I was choking a little bit, trying to breathe through the smoke, but we had a conversation. You know what? They're people. Right? And so, it, it, listen, it doesn't matter. The, the brokenness that, that is going on in someone, the way that someone desires to live or, or decides to live, the, the things that they feel, listen, it's not up to us to judge. Like, that's, that's scripture. Judging is for who? God. And in fact, if you weren't following Jesus, guess what? Your fate's the exact same fate as any other person. Any other. So what do we do? We love. See, Jesus warns us about this kind of, of behavior, this, this double standard, this, yeah, yeah, I don't know about those people. Maybe these people are okay. And it's this, hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. As society increasingly pushes back against Christianity and our moral positions, we need more than ever. Not to sit there like, I'm going to push back just as hard. Ah! But we need to live as the Apostle Peter encourages us to live. He says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. What's that mean? What that means is, as we deal with our own problems first, and our interaction with the world is just, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Someone wants to fight. You know what? This is tough. I believe what the Bible says, but I want to tell you there's one thing it says above all else. Jesus loves you. What did Jesus say? They take your coat. Give them everything else too. They tell you to carry this burden for five miles, carry it ten. They slap you across the one cheek, give them the other cheek also. So it doesn't matter what comes our way. There is one way we respond. Friends, too many claiming the name of Christ have lived dishonorably, whether it be sins of adultery or theft or gossip or dishonesty or having sex outside of marriage or oppressing others or living their lives with bitterness and hatred or tearing others down. So quick to judge everyone else, and yet look at what's happening inside of our lives. 
We can't do this if we want to see the transforming power of Christ changing lives around our community and our world. We need to live properly so that when an accusation is brought against us, people will go, yeah, you know, I I can see where, where you might be able to bring that accusation up, but I mean, those people just love everyone. Like, they, they just love everyone. Like, I, I don't know. Like, they're not out there with pickets or anything like that. They're just embracing people, and, you know, they, they share what they believe is right, but they listen, and they embrace, and they help. No matter the situation or the person, Jesus has showed us how to live. Love God with everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. So my call for us all today is this. Repent, that means confess and turn from any unloving attitudes and actions. Again, I'm not saying condone. I'm saying this is about us right now. How have we not been loving? Repent of any unloving attitudes and actions and then pray for Jesus to show you some of the ways that he wants you to show love to those you may interact with in your day-to-day life. Did you know, oh, I preached this a couple weeks ago, that we're missionaries? Missionaries go into cultures all the time that have different ways of doing things and, and have different beliefs and different understandings of things. And their job is not to change the cultural beliefs of those people. Their primary purpose is to bring the love and message of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And it can be messy, it can be uncomfortable, it can be costly, but there is one job. Love. Love, 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 love. They cuss you out, love. They beat you, love. They take away your rights, love. That one's hard. They throw you in jail. We're not getting it, are we? Love. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be moving in each of our hearts today. God, we need you to show us the the unloving attitudes that have been, been creeping in, Lord God. We've all got things. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's just a a misunderstanding of of what it means to to live in righteousness. But God, I just ask right now that you would begin to reveal to us through the power of your spirit, the places where our hearts have been wrong and that you would bring such a grief over this sin that we would cry out to you, Lord God, take this away and help me to live the way that you want me to live in this situation. Help me to live a life of love. Jesus, right now, as we're all lifting our arms to you and just asking you to speak into our hearts, Lord. I pray for any that are here today that are on the fence about coming to serve you. And maybe, I don't know, Lord, maybe me sharing what it is that you did on the cross, that you died for us to save us, to bring us a purpose, to bring us hope, that you wash away all all the stain of sin and everything that keeps us from a relationship with God. Maybe, Lord, As you're lifting us out of brokenness today, Lord, maybe there's something here that has struck someone. Maybe there's something stirring in you and you're wondering, what is this? And and I want to let you know that, that God's Holy Spirit has been working on you for your entire life saying, I'm, I'm here. Will you accept me? Will you receive my love? 
And so right now, as everyone's eyes are closed and their heads are bowed because, you know, they're all praying, I just want to give the opportunity, if you're here today and you're saying to yourself, I need this Jesus who loves and then transforms, who doesn't require me to transform to be loved. Will you raise your hand today? Say, yes, I want to follow this Jesus online. Will you put in the comments there, I want to follow Jesus? Awesome. Let's all pray together with me. And listen, I know it's tempting to to zone out at this time. The reason I have us all pray together here is because I'm teaching you how it is that we can have these conversations with people when we're out for coffee. How it is that we can pray with someone as they want to confirm their faith. And so let's all pray this together. Heavenly Father, I want to be loved. And I'm discovering for the first time your overwhelming love for me. Today I give you my life. Please give me yours. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and transform me with your love. Today I'm committing to following you. I give you the rest of my days. And thank you, Lord, that you died for me, that you bring me life through resurrection. And that though I know I'm going to fall down, you're faithful to pick me up again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer today and you meant it in your heart, I want you to know that you have joined the family of God. We would love to be able to connect with you a little bit more and get a Bible and some resources into your hand, plug you in uh, into your next steps that there may be. And so online, you can go to ASCC.life and tap on, I've decided to follow Jesus. Fill that out in person here, that same card for checking off, I'm new. You can check off, I just gave my life to Jesus. Again, give it to Bobby in the green shirt over at the next steps table. We got a Bible and a bunch of stuff we'd love to give to you. Everyone, just before you run out today, we have a couple quick, very important announcements, and then Pastor Ewan is going to dismiss you into your long weekend. All right, so thank you, everyone, and God bless.